Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and I'm very excited for this week's episode. We're going to be going deep with BB on her path from corporate life and seeking to cover up, um, you know, a lack of fulfillment with all of the ways that we traditionally cover up lacking fulfillment, to now being a coach around conscious sexuality and energetic lovemaking. It's a really fascinating conversation. I think you'll get a lot of insight out of it. Uh, we go deep on all the the all the the, the amazing aspects of um, sex and sexuality, consciousness, and um, and and the transformational path uh, of the individual to get into a place within to uh, be a vessel for these practices. So I, I know you're going to enjoy it. Uh, please uh, get ready for an hour of uh, goodness. And before we do that, I want to give a shout out to one of my favorite companies, Mudwater. If you haven't tried Mudwater, I highly recommend it. They are chuck full of the best organic ingredients you can find. Uh, they only have a seventh of the caffeine of coffee, but it gives you natural energy, focus, and all of that without sort of the jitters and crash associated with, with coffee and caffeine. It's got all-natural cacao, masala chai, turmeric, sea salt, cinnamon, chaga, cordyceps, reishi, lion's mane, and that's it. Uh, nothing else. Super uh, amazing ingredients. A lot of adaptogenic mushrooms. Uh, and sort of turmeric, obviously, anti-inflammatory. Uh, cacao. It's, it's basically got some of the best supplements <laughs> that I believe in in the world. And if you're keen to try it, you can go ahead and check them out, mudwater, uh, M-U-D-W-T-R.com. And if you put in Peak Mind at checkout, you get $5 off your subscription. So I definitely recommend you check them out. It's one of my favorite products. And without further ado, it is my great pleasure to introduce BB. All right. I'm here with my good friend, BB, on... The shore of an incredibly beautiful cenote here in your hometown of Tulum, Mexico. And it's a pleasure to be with you, BB. Likewise, especially in this nature setting. Yeah, I, um, it's, it's beautiful that we, we created this way because I've had an intention for some time mm -hmm. that came from my trip as I drove 40 days through the west of the United States, through these incredible sacred waters of the glaciers of Montana. I was like, you know what? I want to do more conversations in nature. Yeah. Because then you're co-creating, you know, the medicine of, of the space uh, infuses itself into the conversation. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so I wanted to start, we're going to talk about all the juicy things today, but I wanted to start with a bit about your transformation. Mm -hmm. So you didn't start as this epic Tantrini <laughs> educator. Uh, you had a, a bit of a different history some five, ten years ago uh, involving corporate America, a bit of a, a more conventional lifestyle. Can you take us back and just give a little context into sort of the lifestyle that you were living and, uh, and then we'll go into a bit more of how mm -hmm. you're living today? Yeah, and I know this story resonates with many people, so I like to share it. Yes. And I grew up in Poland in communism and... 
my dream, something that my parents didn't have, was to be able to earn enough money to live a little bit of a better lifestyle and being able to travel freely. And what was appealing back then was finance, banking, uh, all these kind of studies. So that's what I went after. And after graduating with three different masters in three different countries, I was a nerd. Um, I uh, started working in a corporate world. And back then, that was really a dream uh, for my generation in Poland to work for an international corporation, to travel the world. This is something our parents didn't have. Um, and yeah, I worked in sales, equity market, financial markets, and... Um, all over the world, uh, Sydney, um, Geneva, New York, Mexico City, Brazil. And it kind of it's a typical story where I went after uh, what all this lashy corporate lifestyle was promising, mm-hmm. uh, which was a great salary, which was fed bonuses, which was uh, travel on a company expense. And I kind of got all that, and I cashed in on fat bonuses, and I did jet set around the world. But my heart was never really fulfilled, and I used to cover it up with all kind of um, distractions our society offers, right? Especially for three of those years I have spent in New York, and everything from shopping, compulsive traveling, and partying, and alcohol, and casual sex, um, just covering up the lack of fulfillment with all this pleasure in the moment <laughs> that gives you an illusion of happiness, but doesn't last, sadly. And it all worked uh, till one day it stopped working. And I think many people will, again, resonate with that. And I got to a point, okay, I know what I don't want. After 15 years of working in nine to five or more like seven, um, of, doing, of, work, of working in a big corporation where your role is so small that you just feel like you're a part of a big machine and you don't really contribute much. And just in a system that is not really aligned with your values, and I started to ask myself a question, okay, I know what I don't want, I, don't, I know where I don't want to be, but what is it that I'm really passionate about? What's, what's my life purpose in this lifetime? Mm-hmm. And those questions are quite uh, intimidating when you ask yourself for the first time. And that kind of led me into my first mini midlife crisis. And that midlife crisis was, of course, a blessing in the sky and a portal uh, for shifting my mindset because I had no other choice but really to start looking for answers elsewhere. Uh, And then first Burning Man came. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Some of the friends convinced me to do some plant medicines and um, I quit my job basically and embarked on a personal growth journey. That took me to different places from Osho Ashram in India to landmark type of courses to really doing all kind of medicinal plant ceremonies, uh, dating a life coach. And this really opened me up uh, to a different dimension and to think, think things from a different perspective. Yeah. And along on this journey was an event around conscious sexuality where I first, the first time tapped into the sexual energy. And once that switch got turned on, it basically remained turned on. And everything started shifting. And that's where 
uh, I kind of started diving deeper into the topic of conscious sexuality. Beautiful. I feel like so many people can resonate because mm -hmm. we're all, you know, figuring this thing called life out. And I think we're sold, conditioned, if you will, on a narrative that if you do this, you'll be happy, right? Mm -hmm. If only you do a certain thing or if only you have a certain thing, whether it's the perfect partner or the Mercedes or the house, then finally you'll arrive at happiness, mm -hmm. which we know is an illusion. And I feel like it's only from a place of who we're being that we then attract the, 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 the aligned aspects of whether it be partnership or lifestyle sort of into our lives. And I feel like the distinction you drew there at the end, which I really want to go deep into, is I feel like, especially as it relates to sex and sexuality, which mm -hmm. is now your, your specialty and expertise, there's this traditional notion and for those listening, I've actually sat in BB's workshop, uh, and it was uh, it was it was beautiful. I was both reminded of things that I already knew, which which was powerful, and also introduced to some new concepts. But one of the things that that I love that you touched on, which is also something that's near and dear to me, is this notion of sort of Eastern perceptions as it relates to whether it be energetics, right? So mm -hmm. the, the centrality of breath, but also I think in, in sexuality, life force, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think for those listening, maybe some have heard like if you're an athlete, you know, it's like, oh, don't have sex before a game, you know, or there's different things where it's like we know that there's some kind of corollary between our sexual energy mm -hmm. and our performance, if you will. But I think more than performance our purpose. Yeah. And I, and I think what you're what you're touching on here is the notion of of how your how sexual energy can correlate with actually a deep sense of purpose. So could you go a little bit deeper on when you discovered mm -hmm. when you had this sort of discovery as it relates to sexual energy or life force, mm -hmm. how that correlated into seeing sort of the world around you change based mm -hmm. on who you were being. Yeah. And that's really interesting. One, basically, you know, uh, it is believed that sexual energy can be a portal to self-realization, right? And this is the energy that we can use to really expand our consciousness. And to me, this really felt this way. So when that energy goes up, and that's what happened when I first experienced this, it kind of, that shakti, that feminine energy from your genital sacral chakra area goes up and then unites with the masculine, with presence, with the consciousness, right? And then it kind of really makes your consciousness expand. And I just started to have, um, I started to see things from a different perspective, from a more, uh, I always say once your consciousness expands, it really expands in every area of your life. It's not like you're going to now see things differently just in the topic of sexuality. You're going to start see see things differently in nutrition, in sustainability, in the interactions that you have with people. And I really started to observe, okay, what is it that I'm doing? Why am I doing it? Is it nurturing me? Is it not nurturing me? Is it aligned with my values? Is it not aligned my, with my values? And just starting to see that additional dimension to every area of my life and really starting to connect more to my intuition, to my gut feeling uh, and all this kind of um, less uh, structured, less logical, less planned trajectory, uh, but more really connecting with me, with my body. Uh, and that's where it starts to shift. Hmm. What, what, for those listening, 
and I know obviously, and we'll go deeper into this, but what were some of the practices? Because you talked about, for Mm -hmm. example, almost like drawing in the Kundalini energy, that notion of, I love the fact that you talked about starting to trust your intuition more. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like that's been a huge revelation in my life. And so, so adding in certain practices and then also eliminating certain things, right? So you mentioned, and you and I have talked about this as friends, but Alcohol. I think you've been off alcohol for more than three years now. I mean, yeah. And more I've four. been uh, mm-hmm. four years and I've been off for now 14, 15 months. Um, and that's just been a revelation. I, right before we got together, mm-hmm. I was with a friend uh, here who had just woken up with a huge hangover <laughs> from champagne. And I, and I was thinking to myself as I was preparing, I was like, man, I'm so glad I haven't had a hangover in over a year. You know, yeah, it's, totally. it's amazing. But I think <clears throat> the reason I bring that up is I feel like... You know, so many people, for example, use alcohol in the context of as a social lubricant, for example, Mm -hmm. in dating, right? Absolutely. One of the things I've noticed is as I meet people, I'm so much more uh, quick to tap into my intuition because I'm not dulling it with Mm. things like alcohol to to see, oh, is this the kind of person I would want to connect with or not? Mm -hmm. And I feel like um, so the eliminate the elimination of certain uh, aspects of things that didn't serve me and then the cultivation of certain things that that do has been a revelation in my life. Can you share for for those listening, are there any distinct either practices or sacrifices Mm -hmm. that you made that really helped you along your your path? So for me, this whole journey really became about not being so much in my mind and in my head, but really connecting to my body, to mm-hmm. the wisdom of my body and becoming more and more sensitive. You know, in our, in our society, there is a lot of overstimulation, right? You can even go out here at night in Tulum. The music is so loud, you cannot even hear a conversation. There are now neons and lights and everyone is having an alcohol and that let's have a cigarette and, uh, and take drugs on top of it. And it's like never enough. And there's this overstimulation we are bombarded with from every corner. Once you kind of start to tune into your body and you slowly, slowly become more sensitive, then you're really much more, um, you, you perceive much more what serves you and what doesn't, right? So for me, number one, it was al- drugs, uh, alcohol, uh, now uh, a proper amount of sleep, so I'm really rested. So I really wanted to feel like my body is at 100%, right? I want to feel supernatural. I want to feel my best. And I want to feel my best all day. So also healthy food. I was always eating healthy, but right, this would take me to a whole another level, right? So really making sure that your body feels at its best, at its 100%. So all the things that were not serving me in this department, like late night partying or being out all night long, um, or even spending time with people that were uh, kind of drowning me down or complaining or um, just having low frequency of the conversation, that would be also a part of that. So I had to let go of a lot of that. Once I Eliminated alcohol from my life and drugs. It turned out that a lot of connections were built on that, were built on partying, were built on conversations where you were drunk. And when that social lubricant was out, I realized, okay, I might be not necessarily have so much in common with these people. And this is not really the environment that I am thriving at this point anymore. Uh, some of this was actually very painful, uh, and there was definitely, you know, a lot of letting go 
um, in that department. So these are some of the things that I let go of. And again, becoming more and more attuned with your body, what would be the practices that will helping me? Meditation. I know it's simple and obvious, but really meditating every day. And once you really get in the flow and feel the benefits of meditation, walking out of the house without meditating in the morning, it kind of feels like walking out without the pants on. <laughs> I like that. And then uh, really having healthy morning rituals. So I do either breath work or I practice yoga or I have my jaded practice for me I also kind of completely turned around uh, how I socialize and what the prime time for me is it used to be the evening right I would go into the office then you leave the office at 6 p.m or so and that last few days few hours of the day would be my prime time where I socialize, where I do things I enjoy, etc., etc. Once I shifted my lifestyle, I actually realized I am a very morning person. And morning to me is where I have most energy, where I thrive, when I'm more most focused, when I'm most just, you know, radiant, really. Yeah. So now the morning, I wake up earlier and earlier. I wake up usually around the six because uh, in the morning because I want to prolong that time. And that's where I have time for myself. It's not in the evening because especially here in Tulum, due to the weather, humidity, I'm pretty tired in the evening. So I turn things around. Morning is when I have time for myself. Morning is when I, uh, let's say, often socialize. I like to invite people for breakfast. Mm -hmm. Right, So I like socializing during the day when there's no alcohol involved and when we are awake and fresh. And it's also where I often, you know, between 6 and 11 a.m., this is the kind of me time, where I would also um, kind of think of the most important decisions in my life or do some creative process. Um, so that was another shift hmm. that I made. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I feel like one of the things that... I and I, I think you draw this distinction beautifully. One of the things, and you, you mentioned Burning Man earlier. <laughs> I was talking to someone last night, and they were talking about this notion of of, of darkness, mm -hmm. darkness and light, and dark energies, if you will. And one of the, and one of the things I realized was I was like, you know, when I noticed actually specifically uh, in a way at Burning Man, but has now translated into my life was how the energy shifted mm -hmm. from the day to the night. Mm -hmm. And that isn't to say that there isn't uh, fun to be had in, in mm -hmm. uh, dancing through the shadow, if you will. Um, but what I've noticed is that the day uh, brings a totally different energy. And mm -hmm. living for the day now, which is something I do as well, I feel like I've shifted my from moving from, you know, New York City, where I would mm -hmm. stay up till, you know, all hours of the night, you know, <laughs> and oftentimes having fun. Uh, but but basically, realizing that there was a cost that came into my day, right? Yeah. Like that's, for example, what a hangover is. It's like that, that cost from the mm -hmm. night before that like compromises your day. And for me, I think feeling into and starting to also look into various monastic traditions, you know, like when I had the chance, which was amazing to host the Dalai Lama and realizing he wakes up every day at 3 a.m. Mm -hmm. and starting to see in certain Eastern traditions that actually there's a, there's a chi, just as we have chi or kundalini yep. in ourselves, there's a chi to the day. And actually like certain hours of the day, like 3 to 5 a.m. or 5 a.m. to 7 a.m., have a different potency for cultivation. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you mentioned, for example, the morning as your creative time, 
I realize that. Now, I'll be honest, you know, real talk. I'm not getting up at 5 a.m. every day. <laughs> However, when I do do it, like when I'm disciplined and I do, you know, Robin Sharma has a great book called The 5 a.m. Club. When I do like a 5 a.m. for like a week, mm-hmm. by 8 a.m., by 9 a.m., mm-hmm. I feel like I've lived a whole day. Absolutely. And no one's even up yet. Yeah, I mean, yeah. of course, some people are starting to get up. But it's I feel like one of the greatest hacks that you can do to totally transform your life is that shift. And I love that you brought that up of in a way living for the night, which is sort of mm-hmm. the socially conditioned default. Yep. It's also when I think a lot of us, cause I also lived a nine to five lifestyle previously. It's like, you'd be so tired from the day that you'd then shut off. You know, I mean, some of the people listening, for example, our parents, you know, want to be more present with their kids or, you know, even you, you know, you go to watching television or some people have a glass of wine or it's mm-hmm. like, if you if you just work if you go from work to then that like sort of decompression without having that morning or morning routine you never really have that true golden me time and I think to, again to bring up parents I feel like that's one of the great hacks like for the parents that I know that actually get up at, at mm-hmm. like say five a.m. they still maintain that me time yeah. and that essential cultivation for creativity so I love that you mention that because I feel like if there's one revolutionary act that that is that is uh, simple but challenging. That to me is is one of yeah. them. W- what do you feel? And I just want to add to this, Please. you know, because I, you know, I realize that I have the most fun where I'm actually fully present. Yeah. And I can be fully present where I am rested, when I'm energized. Mm. And this is usually for me during the day. So that is number one. And number two, I think, you know, you mentioned it can be challenging. So I think the pandemic, you know, is challenging in one ways, but it open opens doors in other ways. And so many people can work from home and work remotely. So I think this is a beautiful chance uh, for so many to really look at how the day looks like and really optimize their daily routine yeah. and make this time in the morning now that they don't have to, you know, be in traffic or rush to the office for a certain hour. So. Yes, I love that. Well, let me ask you. As we talk about sort of energy mm-hmm. and and optimizing energy and and the idea that the morning is is one of the revolutionary acts, I want to kind of bring it a little bit full circle and also start to get into mm-hmm. one of the areas of your specialty, which is sexual expression and sexuality, mm-hmm. sexual energy, and you know this notion of becoming multi orgasmic and the different types of orgasm, which is one of the things that you talk about in your workshop, and it's obviously the juice that I think many people are curious about. I definitely mentioned to a few folks who were having a conversation today. They were like, well, I'm, I'm excited for the, for the, uh, for the after, after report. Um, so in the context of, you know, sexuality, I think one of the other interesting pieces is when people live for the night uh, and they have busy days and they don't carve out that time for the morning. I think oftentimes for people, uh, Sex, sex and sexuality gets uh, cut away, especially mm-hmm. like parents, working parents. I've heard, you know, yes, you can you can kind of create a sacred date night, what, se- what, ha- what have you. And I know one of your specialties is working with clients from sexless marriages. Mm-hmm. But I want to tap in because as you talk about the cultivation of sexual energy and how we can become, for lack of a better term, our best selves, using mm-hmm. a conscious cultivation of that energy – can you sort of give a, a general kind of walk us in, if you will, in a, in a beautiful way into sort of how you look at sex and sexuality mm-hmm. from the point of view of, 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 of consciousness and creating a conscious lifestyle? Yeah. So I think let's, we can divide it into a few parts. So let's start sexuality with ourselves, mm. right? So 
first of all, really looking into what our, let's say, self-pleasure practice looks like. What is our own connection to sexuality? Is there trauma? Is there a healthy expression of your uh, sexuality? Yes or no? Uh, what is your, is your self-pleasure practice conscious or no? Um, what is behind your self-pleasure practice? Is it more honoring your body or is it more stress release? Uh, let's say, are you also able to really start tapping into that sexual energy through a slower, more intentional, uh, and I want to say more mindful, although this, the word mindful is tricky because it's really about being mindless, mm. <laughs> but for a lack of a better word, let's use mindful practice, right? So for me, self-pleasure is really a time to get to know my body, to honor my body as a temple, and to tap into that energy and to cultivate that. And again, uh, I use some simple tricks, which is scheduling a self-pleasure practice once a week in my calendar. So it's at least one, an hour, one hour once a week. And number one, I create a space, right? So similar with any sacred ritual, I would create a space that invites certain energies. I would have an intention, Right, so there is intentionality behind it, uh, and I would go slow. I would really connect with my body, with my breath. I would meditate beforehand, right? So I'm really in a more uh, receptive, meditative, relaxed state. And then there isn't really a particular goal for me, at least in this one uh, one weekly practice of getting to an orgasm or getting to an orgasm fast. But it's really playing and being receptive to where the energy takes me. So there's few practices. There is a microcosmic orbit you can where you start to circulate the energy. Uh, there is riding the wave. What that means is that we can just tap into a lower state of arousal or a little bit of pleasure without chasing the climax and stay there and see what happens and then start breathing, start moving, start sounding so we can start moving and circulating that energy. And slowly tapping into that, right? Because once we start tapping into that energy, then we can slowly, slowly start cultivating it, expanding it, and then directing it the way we want, right? So instead of just building up a crescendo, climax, explosion, contraction, where we end up being tired and wanting to nap afterwards... You don't have to go exactly to this type of orgasm. There's another definition of orgasm, which comes not from um, climax and contraction, but that comes more from relaxation. Rather than doing, we're going to go into being and really um, tuning into that energy and allowing the energy to take you places rather than you chasing a specific outcome. So for me, this is a beautiful way. There is, you know, and I think some other teachers talked about it. There is a beautiful practice uh, of meditate, masturbate, create. Hmm. <laughs> and I literally practice that as well. Because that same energy of creation, once you move it up, becomes a creative energy. So when I meditate, when I ride a wave, play pleasure wave for about an hour or so, I then start to 
really channel it as a creative energy and whatever projects I'm working on, I bring to my awareness and ideas just start popping left and right. So I usually have something to write down next to me. And that's where most of my ideas for courses, events and etc. come uh, from. So I recommend that practice as well. I love that. I feel like so many people are are as in many aspects of life sort of begin to associate things transactionally mm-hmm. and have that sort of again that end goal of like when I have this then and and it's I think oftentimes analogous to orgasm right it's yeah. like that's the only goal and unfortunately yeah. if someone's not conscientious it's more of a self in the context of a partnership more about themselves than than being of of service or pleasure to another to their Mm -hmm. partner and and i feel like it's like okay it's done once the orgasm has has happened but i feel like what you're the distinction you're drawing in is so critical because i feel like it is our ultimate creative act right like what is the what is the the, you know whether it be the creativity that comes through from the universe or mm-hmm. from you, uh, birthed through you in your creative process, or if you're in a partnership, you know, my sister just this week gave birth to mm-hmm. my beautiful niece, you know, and, and, and so obviously there's also this notion of like continuing on our, I mean, the greatest gift in some ways, greatest gift we can give to the world of, of, of having a child. Like there's, there's ways in which I feel like there's a, there's a, there's a sacredness to that sexuality and sex, sexual essence. And I feel that um, it's oftentimes I, I really feel lost, especially in a culture that celebrates transaction as mm. a and consumption as a means of achieving a, an end, which, as we've already discussed at the very beginning, yeah. is elusive yeah. it, and, and also, frankly, false. Um, so if we draw the distinction that that instead of, say, chasing a transactional orgasm, we're actually riding the wave mm-hmm. of our creative dance with the yeah. universe and with ourselves or, in the, of, or with a partner. If we have that distinction in our mind, walk me through, if you will, um, and you, you've already kind of walked me through a little bit of the ritual, but mm-hmm. if you will, some of the central elements, because I know breath, for example, mm-hmm. in the context and maybe this is the distinction you said first with the self-pleasure, but as you, as you go into partner, right? Like I, for example, find that, that, that I, I draw a distinction called being in the listening Mm -hmm. and this, this transcends sexuality, but I think is also extraordinarily relevant to sexuality because I feel like many men enter into an act as a performance, quote unquote, as opposed to a dance where they're being in the listening of mm-hmm. their partner, right? The, what sounds are they making? What? How is their breath moving? How is their body moving? Right? Like, what are the words behind the words? Mm-hmm. And so, can you talk a little bit about the distinctions as someone looks to become a more conscious lover mm-hmm. um, that they can use or practices they can utilize to cultivate uh, yep. becoming, for lack of a better word, I don't want to use the word better, but becoming a, a more attuned mm-hmm. vessel. Beautiful. And, you know, it's kind of the same principles be behind this conscious, sacred self-love practice apply to a partnership as well, right? You want to create a space, right? And I mean space both in your calendar so you really can be present, you can prepare, you can be relaxed, you can set this one, two hours aside to really drop in with your partner, right? Rather than a quickie when you are tired at night. And also, I mean by that, creating a space physically, 
right? So really whatever brings sensuality in the room, whatever brings sacredness, and it can be simple things like really the light, lighting, like your bed done, like candles, senses, and really music. You want to attune to all your senses, right? That's what sensuality is about. So I always have the music. I have a sense. I have candles for the sense of sight. So it's warm and inviting and cozy, right? And we can really relax and we can feel safe and we can more feel more connected with the space as well. And then I usually start uh, with what I called a check-in. So I call it check-in and a check-out practice. Mm. And a check-in is really checking in with your partner. How are you feeling today? Uh, what is the challenging part of your day? What are some of the challenging emotions that are arising? Uh, what are the feeling good emotions? Just really seeing where we at. So there is this openness, there is this curiosity where the other partner is, right? So we can really start connecting and creating intimacy, safety, intimacy, uh, before we even go to touch. Now, the next step for me uh, would be some of the mindfulness practices that can kind of, I call it, bring us to the same frequency, right? Just breathing together for a while or even doing a short meditation. I have a lot of guided audio meditations to drop in your body, uh, to do some breathwork practices. Um, so just coming from this perspective, and I like to say it's a similar like an orchestra, right? Before the orchestra starts to play together, uh, the musicians will tune in the instruments, right? So we kind of want to tune in uh, our bodies so we can really meet at the same frequency. So just even breathing, inhaling and exhaling together, eye gazing is a beautiful uh, practice. And those are simple practices, but most people still don't do them. Right. So really connecting, creating this intimacy before we even go sensual and before we even go sexual. OK, um, then my next step would be to move into sensuality and that can be a gentle massage that can be a really feather like touch. Uh, and just playing with breathing together and slowly, gently touching with a woman, especially we want to go from the least erogenous zones slowly, slowly to the most erogenous zones at the very end. So starting with a longer sensual foreplay, right, where we again communicate and we ask the partner, how does that feel for you? Does that touch, feel right? Would you like me to go faster? Would you like me to go slower? So number one, you can simply ask. Number two, you want to observe the response of the body, right? Is the person tensing, not? What's the breath? What's the sounds that they're making? So you really learn uh, how your uh, lover, how your partner responds to different types of stimulation. And only from this point, I would start moving into sexual realms, okay? And Again, few simple rules of thumbs. And again, some of them will be pretty basic. And people are like, okay, there's really not much new things that we found out. But what I'm going to ask you is honestly check in with yourself. Are you really doing those things? Are you really doing all those steps before you go into uh, sexual interaction? Now, are you really slowing down? 
because it really is about slowing down because we can only start perceiving subtle sensations. We can only start perceiving energy while we slow down because it's very subtle, right? Now, are, do you keep on breathing consciously throughout the whole practice? Now, there are five basic tools we use to move energy, which is breath, sound, uh, relaxation, movement, and uh, focus or creative visualization when you imagine the energy moving. So those five tools, and again, if you're practicing yoga, if you're practicing meditation, I always say, bring the same tools, your pranayamas, your meditative techniques, you're engaging your mula bandhas and bring them to bed and bring them to sex, right? So we connect spirituality and sexuality and we get this magical sacred sexuality uh, alchemy. And then at the end of each um, encounter, is it sensual, is it sexual? I do what I call a checkout. So you check out or in a way check in again with your partner how was that experience for you what did you enjoy the most what was the most challenging what would you like more of in the future uh, so you really check in and share what your experience was so you can communicate and you can learn from each other uh, and you can grow as more attuned lovers i love that thank <laughs> you for for that beautiful um share um, one of the questions that arose for me as I'm sort of seeking to be in the listening, not just for myself, but the <laughs> audience, is what if, for example, because um, I think, and I know you work with folks who have, for lack of a better term, let's call it a blockage, perhaps, mm -hmm. energetically, but if you're with a lover who may not um, be as attuned or as open, mm -hmm. Or, or, for example, as expressed, for example, perhaps, perhaps they're not as comfortable being emotive or mm -hmm. vocal in their pleasure, or they aren't as comfortable breathing. I, I, it's one thing, actually, frankly, I've noticed is people um, in general aren't deeply breathing and they aren't, there isn't mm -hmm. um, oftentimes an awareness of breath. I feel like yeah. for men... Specifically, I feel like one of the greatest ways to control and be present and stay present mm -hmm. is riding the breath. Yeah. And and one of the things I've noticed is is just a is a, a diversity. I'll I'll put it like that: mm -hmm. a diversity of where people are at as it relates to their comfort mm -hmm. with expression. So if, for example, you encounter, say you're in a newer partnership. I yep. love that checkout process, by the way, because I think especially if you're in a, in a, with a lover that you are in a continuous deepening context mm -hmm. with, um, the depth at which you could proceed through that checkout process is profound. If, however, you're at the beginning of getting to know someone as a lover and they perhaps don't have... Uh, uh, same comfort with their expressiveness. Are there any ways in which or tools that you feel enable a greater degree of comfort or expression such that you can be more present to those five, those five distinctions, if you will? I think I always, I always say I get this question a lot. Yeah. And to be honest, I want to just take a little step back because I noticed one thing. Once I have changed uh, the way I socialize, mm. uh, and number one is I stop drinking, stop taking drugs, and I uh, don't really go out that late at night, but I interact and meet people more in, during the day. Yeah. 
in the first place, I started to attract different type of lovers. Yes. <laughs> so I think yes. we need to take this step back because it really starts from there. And to be honest, last five men that I was on dates with, they were all somehow already either exploring this topic or really curious about the topic, and they were super open for that. So I think we start already there, right? Where do you meet? What are the... What is the context that you're meeting uh, this type of partners? Yeah. Right. So uh, that's the number one step. Uh, number two, I bring it pretty early in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You've, are you willing to be forthright? Because <laughs> you've shared with me like how you actually approach, say, if you're interested in a man. <laughs> yeah, it is actually interesting because that happened last night. So, yes, when I, let's say, really feel connected uh, to a man and... Uh, it's going the direction that it looks like there will we, we're willing to explore more. Uh, I make it pretty clear and say, hey, I would be, I would love to get to know you better. I would love to connect, and my main intention is to really create intimacy, maybe become sensual, and let's say for tonight, I'm not necessarily want to go in the sexual realm but I really want to connect, get intimate and get sensual and get to know you better. Uh, this is where I'm at. Would you be open? Are you interested? <laughs> so that really sets the ground. Uh, and um, I don't think I ever had a man say no. It's not that I'm like inviting men every day. Okay. Of it, course. Happens, it happens when I really feel a very special connection. Um, but I think when you set the intention, right? Yes. Uh, the partners, uh, the dates will kind of, you know, uh, it's going to change their expectations and the way they, they're going to interact with you. Yeah. Uh, another step, for me, it's always an invitation. Uh, so let's say if I encounter a person who is new to the topic and wants to learn more, I like to say at the beginning, I want to introduce the third party that will do the job for me uh, instead of me teaching them straight away. Because I feel like this can, especially with men, create a little bit of a disbalance sure. uh, and me being the teacher and him being the student. And I not necessarily want to go straight into this type of a dynamic. So I would give them a book. I definitely have a few, at least 10 at my house of the tantric sex for men, uh, making love and meditation. So I would either give them a book or I would recommend some other resources. Um, so they can feel uh, more secure. Then another thing is really communicating and guiding. So I don't really believe in finding that the, the perfect lover is going to fall from the sky. Because let's be honest, each of us likes something else and there are so many different preferences. So what does it even mean to be a great lover, right? It means more to be able to read uh, other person's body and response. So I'm going to help my luck. And I am going to create and inspire that new lover to be my best lover. So really communicating what I enjoy the most. And I always say uh, it's a very gentle communication and it's a positive reinforcement. So instead of, oh, I don't like that, this is too fast, this is not for me, I will focus on everything that works. So I really enjoy that, but how about a little slower? Or I like this breast massage, but... How about we go a little bit further out from the nipples first? So 
that. And then really when things work, when I'm enjoying it, make sure I communicate that either through sounds or even saying out, wow, that feels really great. I would love you to continue mm. touching me this way. Um, and we can always go step by step. So you can start uh, with just connecting few dates. You don't have to go sexual in a, on the first date. So again, first I would create, I would love to have a conversation that I feel really connected to. Then secondly, we can go a little bit more intimate, maybe sensual, and maybe just throw a guided meditation that we do together and then talk about how we feel afterwards. And then building it up and making the other partner feel a little bit more comfortable so it's step by step, not throwing them straight into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that they say uh, communication is lubrication uh, and yeah. in that. And I think especially um, the brain is the sort of the greatest sexual organ, if you will, because it's yeah. the entry point to feeling that safety, that intimacy. Mm-hmm. And frankly, that the basis that's necessary, I think, for true arousal and, and, and the dance, the journey to really begin. Mm-hmm. I think also, I think from the point of view of, a man, I think oftentimes society shares with us this, I think it's actually almost a false notion of Mm -hmm. sex and sexuality as somehow, you know, I think there's an archaic notion of like what it means to be a man. And what's interesting is I think what men deeply yearn for is actually to be seen and, and for that intimacy, you know, and they just don't necessarily have the tools to, um, or in, at, at times the awareness to really know that. And that isn't to say that, you know, people aren't interested in having incredible sex, but I think incredible sex is not devoid of intimacy, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. <laughs> so Absolutely. that's the piece I think that, um, that I, I love that you mentioned that there's this, there's the various practices that one can utilize to become, uh, to almost set up the context of foreplay, not even as we perceive foreplay, yes, but the but the but the arousal that comes in setting the and I, I actually think that's one of the greatest tools that I've discovered is that notion of the conscious tease, if you will, mm, right? Drawing tease. that the I drawing love, that tension, is, right? Yes, like it's like absolutely like a build up. Yes. And it's slow and it's sexy and you, you can it just goes more juicier and juicier yes. so you really when it comes it's like you're fully in exactly so yes absolutely yeah conscious build up is the build my up thing. the withdraw it's like yeah. it's like that dance right it's, it's like, like a great dance. salsa Romance dance right it's also, like you know i always feel we kind of lost really uh the the, the part of the romance you yeah. know it's just swipe swipe let's go straight to the point <laughs> where's the romance right yeah i think that's one of i think the challenge of uh, and we uh, probably don't have time in this conversation but you know i think just the prevailing many people being introduced to sexuality through pornography and and this just consumption kind of ethos and mentality and yet you know to juxtapose that to sort of traditional culture you know we're here in mexico and you know last night actually at nomade they played it was a beautiful salsa and Mm -hmm. i was actually having dinner with a woman and she's like let's dance i was like this and by the way no one else was dancing i was like yes let's go enough shamanic house let's do some salsa you know and i love that i love that dance of like you know again you just sort of like the contraction and expansion that is that is common in that dance and that's another thing actually culturally 
I so miss dancing with a partner, right? Like, you know, for me, a woman, but whether that's, you know, whatever, if you're same sex, whatever, Mm -hmm. just that dynamic tension that happens through dance. I feel like dance actually is the greatest foreplay known to man. (laughs) You know what I mean? If you could dance well with someone, you're like, okay, like this is, this is on. Um, Agreed. But I wanted to ask you, because you mentioned books for those listening. So there's a couple books that I love and Mm -hmm. you may or may not have, and I'm not saying by the way, these in my view, these are perfect. But for mm-hmm. the context, for example, of men listening, um, I, I did find Way of the Superior Man to mm-hmm. be a helpful yep. re- read by David Data, uh, King, Warrior, Magician, Lover in terms of the archetypes of the mature masculine. Um, but in terms of, of books or resources, because mm-hmm. you mentioned a few that are sort of in your toolkit yeah. for when you want yeah, to introduce yeah. men, can you just kind of share with the listeners a few resources yeah. that you recommend? Well, one of my favorite authors, and she has written several books, is Diane Richardson mm-hmm. and her husband. And these are kind of my the, the, the first must-have. And uh, four favorites are uh, Tantric Orgasm for Women, Tantric Sex for Men, Making Love and Meditation, The Heart of Tantric Sex with a little bit more of practices, and the fourth one is Slow Sex. That's mm-hmm. all by Diane Richardson. I find them really easy, practical, um, and great entry point. Another one, and uh, this one is mainly for women, although there is there's few inserts for, for men, but uh, it's called The Anatomy of Woman's Arousal by Sherry Winston. What I love about this book is that it combines anatomy with, uh, with tantra and conscious sexuality, so a little bit more esoteric, but also... Um, uh, anatomy, so two things in one. Um, I think these are the good one to start with. Um, yeah, I would say those are the good ones to start with. Yeah, beautiful. If you were, there are more advanced ones later on. Margot Anand uh, wrote a lot of big Bibles or multi-orgasmic men by Montauk Chia, but I find uh, those are come in the second part. Sometimes if you would dive in straight away into those. Uh, kind of big Bibles, people get discouraged uh, early on. So yes. that's you, why you want to take it in. You want to take it in a journey. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if I were to, you know, first of all, thank you mm-hmm. for the incredible insights you shared. And obviously I want to talk a little bit about some mm-hmm. of what you're creating, but if I were to sort of distill down mm-hmm. and I, and I know this is a, in some ways a flawed question because <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's attempting to take something vast and, and, and profound and make it something sort of tangible and, and mm-hmm. bite-sized. But if you were to distill down some of the tenets mm-hmm. to being an incredible lover, mm-hmm. what are some of like, if there was a manifesto or some core tenets, or even if you will, core awarenesses or practices. You can go any direction you want. But if I were to say to you, what does it mean to you, BB, for someone to be uh, unattuned? Mm-hmm. Maybe attuned is a better word than incredible because it's less judgmental. Mm-hmm. Unattuned yeah. lover. Yeah. What, what, what would those be? So what qualities would that lover have, right? Mm-hmm. I would say, number one, open and curious. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's the key because it's not really about... Uh, what you do and certain techniques. It's all about how you do it. Mm. And if you are interested and curious about your partner, uh, you will find a way uh, to the way what they enjoy the most. So open and curious. Another thing I would say, present. Uh, And that's 
key. <laughs> Again, not what you do, but how you do it. Uh, it can be a simple breast massage or it can be even kissing, but when the partner is fully, fully present, then it just takes every, every simple practice or stimulation to a whole another level. Uh, I would say slow, <laughs> slow and gentle uh, for me. Mm. Um, what else? Um, interested genuinely in the other partner. Right. Although this can go tricky because I hear so many men, for example, saying, oh, I really care about my partner and I always let her come first before I come myself. But what's the tricky part to it is that you are exactly pressuring your partner to come and orgasm. And then so many women share with me that they sometimes fake it because they know they're not going to orgasm and they just know that the men will be waiting for them to orgasm. So being curious uh, and genuinely uh, care about the, the partner. Mm, I'd say this would be the most um, important qualities, if that's what you meant. Yes, it is. <laughs> Beautifully said. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this question. Mm -hmm. uh, and this may be the teaser uh, <laughs> to draw people into the episode. But if you were to articulate the qualities of being either multi-orgasmic Mm -hmm. And or, and you draw this distinction in your workshop, if, you're, if you care to share here, the distinction between different types of orgasm, I think mm -hmm. people would find that fascinating. Being multi-orgasmic and or deepening, and again, I don't want to draw too much attention to mm -hmm. that being the, the end goal. However, mm -hmm. uh, orgasms are amazing. And in the context of both deepening an orgasm, mm -hmm. prolonging an orgasm, creating mutual orgasms, there's, uh, there's such, I think, wisdom and possibility. Are there any insights you can share around how people can explore becoming multi-orgasmic mm -hmm. and or deepening mm -hmm. uh, and creating more potent or prolonged orgasms? So I would say, number one, practice breath work and have some kind of an energy um, practices like Qigong, um, Tai Chi, Kundalini Yoga, uh, those are definitely really helpful. Or some practices of cultivating your vitality and also a regular breathwork practice. Now, I would definitely say a longer foreplay. So going a little bit more to, into the, the sex itself. A longer foreplay, uh, number one. Number two, really starting to tune in what the level of arousal uh, you are experiencing at the moment. So we can definitely be in a lower arousal level, medium arousal level, and high arousal level, right? So it's not just... Ah, <laughs> So I like to simplify it and let's say you can start observing where you are from 1 to 10. 1 not being aroused at all, 10 having an orgasm, right? So you can do that either when you're self-pleasuring or when you're with your partner. You can do it for yourself. You can ask your partner, hey, where are you at? So instead of chasing the 10, chasing the explosion, the climax, slowly, slowly get to the realms of a 7, an 8 and pause and really focus on some of those tools, which is number one, breath. So really start deep, deepening your breath, longer inhale, slower exhale. I would say breath is my number one tool. So 
This will allow you to relax. This will allow you to move this energy uh, and circulate it all over your body instead of just pushing it to the genitals area. Uh, you can add sounding, a bit of movement, imagining that energy moving, and what I call start to really riding the wave, right? So you go higher on your arousal level, and then you relax and slow down and cool things off again. Uh, and instead of having an orgasm, which is just as an event of a couple of seconds, you start to uh, becoming orgasmic, right? So then it's like this prolonged uh, state of being, really. Uh, and some call it, instead of having a peak orgasm, you're going to enter into so-called valley, valley orgasms, which a good valley orgasm can last at least 20 minutes, I would say, or longer. So really relaxing into it and kind of hoovering and exploring the journey. So it's Again, simple principles, right? Not about the destination, not about this, this moment of climax of few seconds, but it's really about the journey from one to 10 and pause on this journey and explore. Mm. Um, so I would say this will help you to experience valley orgasms, full body orgasms, uh, or energy orgasms also, they can be called. I love that. As you move through the context of orgasms, you had mentioned previously that you will, in your self-practice, do your creative work mm-hmm. after uh, or your self Or sometimes during. Or sometimes during. Okay, yeah. beautiful. It's during as well, yeah. <laughs> Can that be <laughs> When used? I ride the wave, so I really pause uh, when riding the wave, write a few things down, get back into it. Really? Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Can that be utilized, like, is... Drawing the distinction between, which you made earlier, an orgasm being sort of a great, and I think there is a beautiful aspect to that, right? Like if you are with a connected partner, the degree to which you sort of enter into a sense of balance or Mm -hmm. your rested nature, right? I think both in the context of the feminine and the masculine, where oftentimes, no matter which is your archetype, Mm -hmm. so I'm not saying that's necessarily your gender base, but in terms of the archetype, most of us are oftentimes in our active uh, element and expression. Mm I think one, of, including in sexuality, but I think one of the beautiful aspects is sharing time post where you've had ideally a very mm. conscious mutual exploration, ideally a very honest communication, right? Because mm-hmm. I think sexual, yeah. sex and sexuality can be that in its, in its highest form. And then actually being, which I think is so rare in this day and age, in your rested natures mm. together, you know, yeah. like to, to, to hold someone post Absolutely. ideally mutual multiple wave riding, mm-hmm. you know, dance orgasms to hold someone in that space and to be open and to feel seen and yeah. to see another person I feel like is such a beautiful gift, such yeah. a beautiful offering. And it's very rare that we actually get to be in that I would call it rested aspect yeah. of our nature. Um, and I would always say, even after you climax, yes. stay there because after every peak, there is a valley again. So yes. just even stay inside of your partner, stay together, stay being present, breathing together, and you can potentially start hopping on another, uh, you know, wave. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Keep, keep, you can uh, keep surfing, entering, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But if you want to... And maybe this is an interesting – so if if you were to draw the distinction between choosing to, at the end of that wave, be more energized mm-hmm. or more rested, mm-hmm. 
and and I don't know if there is necessarily you know like a, a practical distinction, but. I, I think many people want to be in their rested state, but also be super alert and aware. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed in certain uh, sexual expressions that there's that perfect, if you will, almost flow state. And I'm not talking mm-hmm. about in the performative aspect, but actually like I'm actually in that deep rested, but my creativity is just like, woof, like, like you're sharing, right? Yep. Like I can just like, I'm having ideas, I'm having yep. downloads, I'm in flow. Is there any sort of corollary for those listening that you feel, I mean, you've mentioned already the practices, but to where you can ideally enter into that place of being both rested, but also be in the dance of being kind of expressed? So I guess, you know, you can play with different types of breaths, Mm. right? So let's start with that, because if you're going to breathe in mostly through the nose, it's going to be more relaxing and calming. Yeah. If you want to be a little bit more energized then you're going to be breathing through your mouth, right? Mm. So let's say if I make love late at night, I would rather breathe through the nose mm. so I can easily fall asleep after. Mm. If I have sex in the morning or during the day, I would mostly breathe through my mouth. So then it keeps me energized for next few hours to go. Now, another, uh, another way, and I experiment that with my lovers a lot, is to... I like to, let's say, if I have a uh, long-distance rover and we meet just for a weekend or a few days, I like to not to climax mm-hmm. for a few days and just ride the wave without climaxing and we postpone the climax till the very last day. And this kind of leaves us in this juicy kind of, you know, turn on, switched on mode for the entire time. And we kind of want to eat each other alive for a few days. Uh, So I would experiment with that as well. Um, What else? Um, I think also just shifting the idea that sex needs to be hot and fiery. It's mm. a little bit what we see on pornography, right? There was the, we build up, uh, we build up so much excitement. We are always like a nine, around a nine, and it needs to be hot, fiery, and there's a lot of lust. There is another way uh, you can really experience sexuality, which is more this lower states of arousal, where you are aroused, where you're riding the wave, but you're still more present. Right, it's not so hot and fiery. So the fire is smaller, but you can maintain it for a longer time, and you can be a little bit more present. Mm. So really playing with those um, lower realms of arousal. So beautifully uh, shared. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, I think for anyone listening, uh, this has been obviously an incredibly juicy conversation. Uh, I love it. Um, you, you, I know, have a variety of ways that if people are intrigued, they can go deeper, inclusive mm-hmm. of which you've just launched a new course. Um, where can people find you and your work for those who are who are interested in in, in learning more and, yeah. and actually, you know, delving deeper on a journey with you? Yeah. And it's just been so beautiful, I must say, and share that recently, you know, this pandemic, again, has been challenging in many ways, but it opened doors uh, to explore new things. And so many couples, so many people in general are so much more open and eager to learn. Uh, So this is so beautiful to see. One of the reasons I wanted to reach more people and I started my online course for women and it's 
really such an honor to support women from all over the world being in lockdowns and being able to really tap into something that is theirs. And I always say no financial crisis, no lockdown, no pandemic can take your own body wisdom away from you, right? Your own source of energy, your own source of pleasure. So we can always tap into it. So anyway, I offer different things. And I guess, you know, social media, the classic social media, Planet BB, because my difficult Polish name... <laughs> <laughs> forced me to be creative <laughs> so that's why it's planet bb uh and then my website uh which again i had to be creating creative uh so you can either type my surname or uh which is difficult so i'm not going to mention it here or you can put energeticlovemaking.com this is how i call my practice energetic lovemaking and uh all the information is there so from courses for women I work a lot with couples either uh, sexless marriages which is actually really common in our society so for all those of you who are listening and you're in that situation please reach out uh, nothing is wrong with you it's just that no one really gave us tools to work with that challenge um, and also for couples who kind of know there's more to sexuality they want to explore more but they don't really know where to start And again, I work with single uh, people as well. So mm -hmm. uh, many different ways. Yes. And I recommend, by the way, I've done, I did the, do. uh, the, the introductory workshop, <laughs> but I've spoken to several friends, including, I won't mention a name, but mm -hmm. a couple friend of ours that we wound up going out with uh, to Nomade <laughs> on one of our BB Thursday nights, which was <laughs> super fun. And they definitely, I can say, Based on simply observation, had just mm -hmm. done work with you and seemed extraordinarily um, revitalized. I mean, I, I've mm -hmm. done a, a fair number of modalities like you in the personal mm -hmm. development space, including some deep men's work. And I feel like one of the most powerful things is to see, for example, after a men's week weekend, the way in which the distinction mm -hmm. of how they show up yeah. to their lover, their family, their children afterwards is so profound. And I think that's when you see someone's way of being shift mm -hmm. it's it's really um the most powerful testimonial if yeah. you will so i uh, definitely recommend people check out your your work the one thing that came up actually as we were talking that i, I just wanted to touch on mm -hmm. before we close you know i think what's interesting also is you know i want to acknowledge honor and acknowledge you we we've become good friends while i've been down here but i and i'm obviously deeply interested in this topic but i've had resistance um, to sharing about sex and sexuality because I mm -hmm. think, I think, you know, there's so much triggering right mm -hmm. now in our, in our kind of cultural milieu, you know, mm -hmm. and I think, you know, as a man, for example, just wanting to, and, a, uh, you know, I don't want to, as a conscious man, obviously wanting to ap approach things in a way that's, um, you know, intentional, consensual, all mm -hmm. of those things. But one of the interesting things is I feel like we're in such a unique dance now because mm -hmm. um, without going into, you know, great detail, obviously we're moving in a way from, <clears throat> from a long time of uh, culturally sort of patriarchal um, context yep. into a, a rise of, of and in, in, in beautifully so, of the feminine. Mm -hmm. um, as we're here, I'm looking out on a beautiful cenote, and to me, you know, nature is my church, and to me, it's an embodiment of that divine feminine, um, as are many of the women in my life. Um, 
But it's 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 interesting because as we think about sexuality, I think especially with the the rise of sort of Me Too and and people sort of rise coming up with their voices in a in a traditional culture that that at times suppress them and 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 worse. One of the questions that I have is: Do you have any thoughts? And I think you 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 a bit express this with the context of your check in and check out. Mm-hmm. But for many people who are who are dating, who are trying to figure out how to initiate, if you will, mm-hmm. a sexual experience in a conscious way, mm-hmm. you know, because I have noticed, for example, like I had a friend who who was just here in Tulum, who was just at Northwestern Business School. And she's like, man, I wish a guy would just hit on me, you know. <laughs> and, and I said, yeah, I totally I, know, I say this too sometimes. Yeah, and I totally get it. And it's like it's interesting because as a dance, it's like. You know, I think there's also like, especially if you're conscious, you you are actually like, you know, you you're you're almost, especially sen- I'm sen- very sensitive. I don't w- never want to cross anyone's, you know, I never mm-hmm. want to cross a boundary unwillingly. Yeah. That's not that's not known. But then again, there's also something to, without question, you know, someone being in their decisiveness, obviously mm-hmm. consciously so. Um, and it just occurred to me as you were talking, I was like, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you a bit, because I think for those listening, uh, this is especially a relevant question in this day and age. Do you have any sense around how to initiate when two people are attracted? And, you know, not everyone has, if I may say so, your confidence, right? Because yeah. I, I know you pretty well now. And BB, by the way, does not suffer fools, whether it be sexually or in business. She will let you know very directly what she thinks. I've never, I've never concerned about BB not expressing herself. But for those who, who perhaps are more encumbered by their sensitivities or are just really trying to figure out how to navigate it, I love this idea of check-in, obviously, and check-out. Mm-hmm. But do you have any thoughts around um, how to, um, you know, consciously, especially like, for example, you know, a lot of people, like we said earlier, yeah. are utilizing alcohol, which is not exactly facilitating yeah. consciousness. Um, how to initiate when you're attracted to someone. How to let them know that you're attracted <laughs> to them in, in a good way yeah. um, so that it can lead to the best Mutual dance. Yeah, I don't know. I think my my answer is not going to be an absolute truth, and uh, this is my perception yeah. of what I personally enjoy. And it was interesting because that's actually what I experienced last night with a man, and he was very skillful in that. And um, and what I liked, uh, so I'm going to bring it up, is that he was just honest and first said, "Hey, I I'm I'm feeling something. I'm feeling butterflies. I feel like I'm attracted to you." And I would love to touch you. Is it okay with you? <laughs> love it. And then once he started touching me, he would ask and check in again. Are you enjoying this type of touch? And at another occasion, a man also asked me, I would love to kiss you. Are you, co- are, is, are you open for that? Or do you, do you feel like that? Or whatever, however you want to formalize it. But really saying it, hey, I'm attracted to you. Uh, would you like to explore or are you open to connect? I would just say it this way. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's nothing. Just be transparent. And, uh, and you know, I think mo- for most of the people, uh, there is th- what's blocking them from doing it is the fear of rejection. Yes. And what I always say, I feel this might be a useful tip to add to this. I don't call it a rejection. I call it a filter. Mm. So for me, it's a way of filtering people. If I ask someone, would you like to connect? Would you like to get intimate and spend an evening with me? Uh, possibly getting sensual. And if the answer is no, 
And in a way, I filtered out a person that probably, uh, you know, wasn't the right one for me anyway, right? Yes. Was not on board with the same way of connecting I am interested in. So we just both save each other time. And yeah, it's just a a way to see uh, pretty early on if it's a if it's a potential match if there is any you know uh, possibility uh, for creating some magic or not so if someone says no it's it's not necessarily any rejection it just helps you um, to protect your time and energy so that's how I see that I think that's one of the most beautiful distinctions <laughs> filter and and, yeah. and our most valuable resource on uh, is our time and the health exactly. uh, which we, we, with which we have to spend it, and the people we, we choose to share it with. Yeah. And I think that the way you draw that distinction, it can enable and save, it can enable people the, the, the courage, if you mm-hmm. will, to step into a more expressed aspect of themselves, while simultaneously avoiding going on multiple dates with someone <laughs> where both parties yeah. know that it's not their, their, it's not their, it's not their person. Yeah. So I love that distinction. I, I, I think we can all embrace our filter and embrace consciously being courageous in a way where, yeah. you know, if it is their kind of party, they're going to let you know. Yeah. So I love that. And, you know, just to add, like, I would love a man to come up to me and say, hey, I like you. Yeah. I want to invite you out. Yeah. Are you free for dinner tomorrow? Yeah. 100%. Just be direct and just take the initiative. And then if it's a yes... Choose a restaurant, choose a place, and hey, you're, you're mine tonight. I'm picking you up at 9 uh, and just, you know, organize it. Yep, yep. <laughs> take the leadership, take the initiative uh, and the direction, and that's to me really sexy. And at the same time, uh, you ask a question and uh, full of respect. So. It, it's, it's super powerful. I, I just did this in my last uh, dating context. I mm-hmm. said, look... Um, you know, my I'm in, I'm interested in you. So mm-hmm. like zero pressure. Yeah. I have no expectation. But just yeah. to be clear, my intention again, yeah. my intention without expectation is beyond friendship. Mm-hmm. Is that something you're aligned with? And if not, by yeah. the way, that's totally oh, okay. <laughs> and man, it's like it's such a time. And that's that's the beauty is like it's so beautiful when you're just like yeah. direct. And I agree, it's such a it's such a, a beautiful filter. So, um. Man, I could we could talk for hours, but I want to I want to respect your time, um, guys. Everyone listening, um, check out BB. She's a, she's a wonderful friend. She's got a lot of resources, um, and I, I you know I just think this is such a beautiful topic that is oftentimes not uh, dealt with as consciously as it could be. So mm-hmm. thank you, BB. I want to acknowledge you for the work that you do in the world, for helping people to reconnect with themselves, mm-hmm. to reconnect with their partners to be more embodied um, and sexually expressed humans. And I think it's, it's such powerful and valuable work because I think we are all, we're all, you know, we're all, one, we're all connected as we know, as we can see now in the context of this uh, (laughs) wild pandemic that we're currently in. But I think, you know, at least as I understand it, there were times uh, pre patriarchy where there was a more, um, and, and let me not project, but as at least as I understand it, a more uh, a different notion of sexuality mm-hmm. and sexual expression, and and I think a lot of times, unfortunately, in this day and age, it's 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 been woven in with shame and trauma and, and various mm-hmm. challenges. So I think for those who are um, you know 
in the dance with a healing and healthy sexual expression, you are helping them dance well. So thank you very much, BB. Thank you. My pleasure. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, until next time, my friends. Uh, thank you so yeah. Much Check out BB me. and we'll talk soon. Yeah. <laughs> pleasure. And there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this incredibly rich conversation. If you did, and you know of a friend that you think would benefit from the episode, please go ahead and, and send it their way. Uh, if you think that there's some content that might be transformational, that there may be some content that could open someone up to a new possibility in their life, send it to a friend. As always, if it was meaningful, I would absolutely love uh, a rating and review uh, on iTunes. And as always, you are welcome to submit feedback, submit questions. Just hit me up on social at Michael Trainer on Instagram. And let us know the, your favorite part of the conversation. Uh, what really resonated for you? What are parts of the, the topic you'd love to go deeper on? And with that, it's my great pleasure to really just thank you for being a part of this community. Thank you for listening. Thank, thank you for giving your time. I do not take it for granted. And it's my commitment to continue to bring you really rich and nourishing conversations. So without that, please go out there and live your inspired life.